This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. It's been a busy week in B.C. politics. Another busy day ahead with a critical news conference coming up at 12 noon today on the latest on the coronavirus outbreak in British Columbia. Once again, it's Dr. Bonnie Henry, the Provincial Health Officer and Health Minister Adrian Dix. They're the two, uh, the duo we've seen pretty much every day on these updates in the coronavirus. But this time, Premier John Horgan also in the mix. He will be part of this major news conference coming up at 12 noon on the B.C. government's plan to deal with the coronavirus outbreak. So make sure you keep it locked right here. We're going to bring you that live at 12 noon. But let's get a preview right now with Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Keith, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Manny. Okay, so today's going to be interesting. you got Horgan now kind of fronting mm-hmm. this news conference today. What do you read into that? What, what What's coming up here at 12 noon? Well, Adrian Dick sort of uh, dropped some pretty broad hints about this uh, at his regular uh, update briefing yesterday along with Dr. Bonnie Henry, that this is basically going to be about messaging and about uh, trying to reassure the public that the government has a plan. Uh, it's not, it's not uh, you know, just making it up as it goes along. There is a 50-page uh, plan for a pandemic. We're not at a pandemic stage yet, but I've got a, I've got a copy. I've seen it. Uh, it's a very comprehensive coordination effort within government. But a big part of that plan, any plan to deal with a serious outbreak of any illness, is communications and, yeah. and, and messaging. And that's why what we've seen the last couple of weeks is deliberately planned. And that was to make Dr. Bonnie Henry uh, the face of this, that she's the one who's really been controlling the message. Uh, Adrian Dix has been beside her at all these briefings, but I've been at every one of them pretty well. And it starts with Adrian Dix introducing himself and then says, I'd like to introduce Dr. Bonnie Henry, the provincial health officer. And then she runs, she runs the show. And she's uh, very good. She's a very calming yeah. influence, I think, in this. It's a yeah. very serious outbreak, but Bonnie Henry is is doing an exemplary job, I think, and she's going to be front and center at today's announcement. The fact the Premier's there, I think, is also part of the the communications effort here, that the government has a plan um, and that everybody should, you know... T- take this seriously, but uh, don't won't panic at all. Okay, I think Dr. Bonnie Henry has been really good too, and she's got she's a real pro, and she has background on dealing with this kind of stuff. She was in the front lines of the SARS outbreak years ago, for example, and I agree with you. I think she's been sort of calm, cool, and collected all the way through this thing. Let's have a listen to this, Keith. Here she is yesterday talking with uh, some of the latest numbers. She has not recently traveled and has no known contact with uh, any of our known cases of COVID-19. So that is something that we're paying a lot of attention to, of course. Okay. Um, The latest uh, yesterday was eight new cases, Mm -hmm. including one called the community spread case, right? Tell me me about that. I know you were at the news conference there. Yeah, that involves a a woman. They don't identify where where people live other than the health authorities. I think she was in the Fraser Health Authority. So uh, everyone else who's been identified has been linked to someone traveling from some other jurisdiction, mostly Iran, but not entirely. Uh, But this one is she's not traveled anywhere, and it's unclear how she she got this. How did she get it? So Dr. Henry yesterday, she used the word detective. They now are playing detectives to try to figure out where she got this because it is a community spread one. So how do they do that? Sort of retrace her steps? Where retrace her steps, uh, talk to people she's come in contact with, uh, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, test people that she's been around. Uh, that's a little, she agreed yesterday, that is a little more serious one than the other ones. Four of the new cases yesterday uh, resulted from being associated with an earlier case. I think yeah. you can make the conclusion they're probably family members who are living with that person. Uh, so they've been uh, um, tested 
tested positive for or presumptive for uh, this illness as well. Uh, but uh, the other ones were uh, again traveling from Iran uh, in in two cases, one from Seattle. Uh, now this other one though doesn't seem to have traveled anywhere or come in contact with anybody who travels. So that's a little more serious. It's but again she said it's not unexpected that something like that would happen. So her message always is preventative about washing your hands and if you're sick stay home but also making it clear as we go along uh, they're really testing people and monitoring this in fact BC's tested more people than have been tested up until a, a few days ago in the entire United States well, that's amazing to me that we've tested more people than Trump's tested in the entire US yeah I haven't seen the, the supposed to be an update on the BC Center for Disease Control today on their website the last I checked they hadn't updated it but as of last week uh, more than a thousand people have been tested and just 50 in California. Okay, what do you make of Horgan's appearance at this news conference now? I mean, do you think he's trying to show that look, the government's taken this very seriously, mm -hmm. especially as the numbers go up and he wants to be sort of front and center on it today? Yeah, What's I would be cautious if, if I were him about this. I think by leaving it in the hands of Dr. Bonnie Henry to be the lead voice on this, I think it's a, an effective uh, strategy to to calm the public. I think once if politicians take too high a profile on these things, it, it be, by its very nature they become political. I mean, mm. the, what, the fact is half the population don't like who's ever in charge of the government on any given day. Uh, that's just you know the way it's always been, no matter who's in government. So I think uh, Horgan's taking potentially a bit of a risk, but we'll see what he has to say. But I think he again is a sign that the government's taking this very seriously, has a plan. Uh, the plan's been in place for some time. The plan I've got that I've seen uh, uh, for a pandemic has uh, goes back to 2014 and it's been updated since then so this is not like it's an NDP plan or a BC Liberal plan it's the government's plan and they've got one and we're going to see it unfold in uh, the days ahead uh, Adrian Dix outlined some of it yesterday they've got a they've got sort of an emergency response team made up of his deputy minister and Dr. Bonnie Henry they've got uh, uh, teams already in place in the health authorities each individual health authority has a team in place and a plan to to, to deal with this Okay, let's talk about the shocking announcement at the B.C. legislature oh, yesterday boy. by Carol James, the finance minister, Keith. And this one, you and I have both known her a long time, and she comes out with this shocking announcement of a uh, diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Uh, here's Carol James yesterday. I went to my family doctor at the end of August and uh, I mentioned at the very end of my physical that I've had a few odd symptoms. Um, she did a check and suggested that we get checked out just to make sure there wasn't anything to worry about and referred me to a neurologist. I had the neurologist appointment at the very end of January and I've been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Okay, devastating announcement from her and uh. it was fascinating that the, sort of the word of the gravity of this thing kind of leaked out a little early and there were a lot of MLAs at this event including from across the aisle. So mm -hmm. there are a lot of liberals, there were greens and people were upset it doesn't matter what party you're in. I mean, she's a very respected person, maybe the most respected person in the whole place, I think, easily. Yeah, I sent a maybe. tweet out yesterday that said she's, you can't find anyone who's more liked or more respected than Carol James at the legislature. That's already got something like 500 likes or something. Um, yeah, and I've known Carol for... Well, 25 years or so now, back to her days as a school trustee. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's got garners enormous respect from all sides of the aisle uh, in the building and the staff people, too. We're not 
talking just politicians here. She's well, she's really uh, well liked and respected by just the people who work in the building. So it, you're right. It leaked out yesterday. It became apparent that it wasn't a government announcement. It was a personal announcement, and everybody started dreading the worst. Could it? I mean, Carol is a cancer survivor. Right. She people had cancer before, that. and she beat cancer. Yeah. So that was my thought. Oh, but the, has the cancer come back? Yeah, I was thinking that as well. And yeah. then she. Then we got word um, Parkinson, and the scene was. Un, was dramatic. It was in yeah. the legislature library lounge, which is never seen a news conference, to my knowledge, before. Uh, and it, you, her family was in attendance, but so were about twenty or thirty MLAs from all sides. There was yeah. a lot of, a lot of crying. She got a big hand from even the reporters at the end of the news. I don't, you don't see reporters applaud people at the end of news mm-hmm. conferences necessarily, but she walked out to a round of applause. But uh, there were a few tears shed there, and it was um, and not surprising given that uh, the status she holds in the building. She held it together pretty well. They're a little emotional, sort of eyes a little moistened and voice mm-hmm. quavering a little bit. Understandable given the circumstances. But I'll tell you what, like to me, like she's so tough. Mm-hmm. She's so resilient because she's gone through difficult times before. And I wrote about this today in the province newspaper and I just tweeted it out. If you give me a follow on Twitter, you can see the link there. And I just started thinking when I first heard this, I started thinking about all the difficult times that she's gone through before, you know, like the cancer that you mentioned, she's gone through a a difficult divorce. She had a a son who struggled with alcoholism. She's very public about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, she she had the backlash in her own party when she was the leader of the party and there was a rebellion against her. And she handled all of that with so much dignity and courage. And once again, yesterday, I was really impressed with with her. Oh, yeah. No, she's... um she has a lot of courage, and she's gone yeah. through a lot. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the party takedown of her, which is still. I mean, that's just that's just event. politics, right? Yes, I mean, that happens in politics. And but she, she was just very dignified through the, everything. Yeah, she didn't miss a beat when that happened. A lot of people just walk away, say, "Oh, to heck with it," you know. Yeah. Uh, but no, she's now soldiered on. Yeah, she soldiered on. She's emerged as the top minister in this government. Uh, yeah. There was concern yesterday morning. Uh, I talked to a number of political staff who were, again, asking me what's going on. You know, what's going on with Carol? They were worried that we we're going to lose. Carol James from this government. And no, she's going to stay on as finance minister, which I think everybody's breathing a sigh of relief on the government side because she's so key. I called her yesterday. She's the glue that holds everything together around this government. And without her steering the ship, it's not just John Horgan, it's Carol James. And you you mentioned she's tough. She is very tough. One cabinet minister told me yesterday, uh, she's so good at saying no that when she says no, you walk away feeling better than what you were (laughs) requesting because she puts it in such a positive tone. Let's talk about this gong show at the legislature this week when the Indigenous Affairs Minister Scott Fraser uh, invites these protesters into the building for a meeting after they said, okay, no no problem, we'll leave after the meeting's done. I mean, this guy fell for this thing hook, line, and sinker. He got played like a fiddle by these people. They refused to leave, and then they had to call the cops to get rid of them. Um, I guess there's two ways to look at this. You could say that this guy is just total gullible rube who just fell for these people. Or maybe he looks, maybe he comes out of it looking okay. Yeah. Like he took the high road, mm-hmm. right? Like he showed good faith to them, and they're the ones who look bad, and he looks better. Phone me on that, by the way. Who do you think came out of that looking better or looking worse? The protesters or the uh, the, the cabinet minister who let them into the building? 604-280-9898. Phone me right now. You probably get through. Star 9898 in your cell. Here he is, by the way. Here's uh, Scott Fraser. Indigenous youth are currently occupying the inside of the BC Legislative Building following a meeting with the Minister of Crown and Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation, Scott Fraser, provincially. 
Uh, he is that representative. And he stated that he will not stand with us. He will not exercise his power to ask Coastal GasLink to stand down. And so we are staying here until Coastal GasLink is removed from Wet'suwet'en territories or we are removed from this building. Okay, that, that's actually not Scott Fraser. <laughs> no, it's not. That is, that's the that was the leader of the protesters who were doing the sit-in. Yeah. But who, I mean, who came off looking the worse here on this thing? Well, the protesters are now gone. I mean, yeah, no, they're gone. So they're gone. I mean, what Scott? Maybe that's linked to what Scott Fraser did. Look, Scott Fraser, I think, is a very trusting guy. He's a very nice guy. I think he's a very good uh, uh, Indigenous Relations Minister. Do actually. you? I mean, he's the guy who brought in UNDRIP. I mean, you look at uh, no other jurisdictions so what? brought that in. Well, I still think that's in, in terms of supporting First Nations. I think he's. He's been got a pretty good track record with under it, but it didn't cut him any slack as a result of this meeting. What I found, uh, a number of people remarked on it. You couldn't ask for a more sympathetic voice in this building than Scott Fraser when it came to them. Yet they, he's showing remarkable restraint yeah. and good faith. Yet they treated him like that, and I yeah. think they they you know he was sheepish the next day, saying I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. You know, I, should, I, I came up to him in the hallway. I said, ah, you know, you know, too bad. But uh, you could know, have seen it, this coming. I said if you'd asked anybody, asked security or the press gallery, we would have told you. Well, this, this is probably what was going to happen. The security weren't too happy about it, I tell you that. They said, look, no. the public's not even allowed in this building, and yet we invite these people in who've been lighting a fire on the front steps and well, and technically breaking the injunction. But now they're gone. I was just yeah, out I there. When I talked to some of the security guys, and they told me they warned the government, don't yeah. let these people let in, in here. They had actually posted security guards on every yep. single door watching people come in just in case they tried to get in because yep. that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to stage a sit-in and occupy the whole building. Yep, no, and that, so that, that they've been trying to prevent that for weeks, and then suddenly these these seven of them appear, refuse to leave. But anyway, uh, they f- they're gone. They packed up they and filmed left, themselves right? eating pizza, which I don't think really <laughs> enhanced their credibility. Yeah, so I just stuck my head out in the front steps, and what do you know? Uh, they, they packed up their belongings yesterday, but now there is a giant steel wire fence in front of the legislature's ceremonial gates where the camp had been. Uh, so there's no way they're going back. Anybody's going back there. Having said that, this thing isn't over. It, it, no. it, it's going to jump from Coastal Gas Link to the TMX pipeline. You're going to see no. mass protests on the TMX pipeline, both in Burnaby Mountain, as we've seen in the past, perhaps along the pipeline route. I think construction begins soon in the Kamloops area, and you're going to see it on the front lawn of the legislature, but I don't think they're going to get on the steps again. Let's take a quick phone call. Jeff in North Van. Hi. Yeah, good morning. Um, I, I know in hindsight it, it'd be easy for any of us to regret maybe that, that decision at the same time. Um, I really like under all this, you know, uh, the duress or all these circumstances to still show that trust and, uh, and good faith. And, and I think it certainly has exposed some of the protesters, you know, for, for what they are. And I, okay. and I agree with Keith there that there's a big hit on credibility and i i commend him for what he did thank you okay that's a good point yep. because maybe he did show up these protesters and reveal them i mean they took i think the protesters look worse maybe arguably at the end of the day than well, i, I the think government. they look a lot worse yeah. than, than scott fraser okay. fraser was trying to have a dialogue and good for him whether he should have brought him in the bill i tweeted that perhaps you have this meeting off-site somewhere well yeah at a neutral site but sure i could have told him you bring these people into the building i've been in close contact as you have with security on a daily basis on this yeah. thing and they weren't impressed with that no and what, what about the liberals I mean, the liberals are having a field day with this thing, aren't they? And yeah, they're saying they, this shows the government's weak and they're kind of sympathetic well, to these know, protests you, and blockades. You look at that latest Angus Reid poll, John Horgan's approval numbers have been pretty high, and suddenly they take a nosedive of right. 10 points. And I think that's linked to the perceived inaction when it comes to blockades and protests. But, you know, having said that, I'm not sure there's a heck of a lot that could have been done here. I think Daryl Plekis actually handled this fairly well, the speaker. Okay. He sort of waited. Did he put out. up the fence? 
I assume the fence is up from the uh, order of the speaker. That's why how things get done. Let's squeeze here. in one more call, Bob. You got to go quick because we're running out of time, Bob. Okay, first, real quick, it's kind of sad that somebody who does politics for everything but self interest gets struck down by this. And secondly, the posters did injure their cause by doing that, and they're going to have to start to recognize that. Even though I'm sort of on side with what they're trying to uh, fix here, but they did kind of injure their own selves. At yeah, their they expense. hurt. They hurt them. Well, the blockaders hurt have themselves, always hurt. Yeah. Thanks for the call. The blockaders have always been hurting their own. Remarkable Angus Reid poll out yesterday. Eighty percent of Canadians think this, this, these protests and blockades have hurt reconciliation. Uh, and <laughs> what does that it, tell it's you? not a positive development. As and, and support for the pipelines up like ten points. Yep. No, the protesters are on the wrong so. side of public opinion here. Thanks, Keith, for coming in. Okay. That is Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief. Thanks a lot for your calls. If you didn't get through on the open line, phone me on the buzz line. Leave me a voicemail there. Six zero four three three one buzz. Six zero four three three one two eight nine nine.